Tesla said, episode 263, it's me, Gary P. Of course, it's the prof, it's Carl Riley. These are the good old days. Celebration time, prof. Um, you just you soak it all in. I think after the game, we just kind of sat back. And after the madness of the probs, which we'll talk about in a while, just kind of sat back. At one stage, you just look around and you're just like, yes, this is what it's all about. This is what it is. It's creating memories with the people that you love and you follow up and down the country rovers. Mm-hmm. There's a lot to talk about today, bro. We're just talking off air there how well it really won't sink in for a long time. How much a monumental achievement this is. No, and there's so much involved in it. We talk about the best foreign role player who's won the four medals. We'll talk about that in a yeah. while. But I've actually picked my team. I, I won't put you on the spot, boy. I've done the eleven. There's, you could individually talk about how much they've contributed so much to to this success. Um, it's very very tough. But our sponsors, of course, Ocean Electrical, have been fantastic with us forever. Um, they're really brilliant. Uh, the four probs. They've, they've done so much for us um, all of our help uh, anyone that's ever kind of helped us out it's the force team Brad's our clan everyone who's been so accommodating and welcoming to us over the course of the last I don't know how long now six years um, we've always backed them in fairness so uh, we'll talk about the Pats and the Cork away games prof clinching the four in a row and looking ahead to the party on Friday and we also have an interview with Marcus Poom yeah, it's going to be a carnival atmosphere in Tata. Absolutely. And we have our Estonian international. Yes. We've got a chat with him a bit later on. Not actually recorded yet. So, don't know how you're going to react to that interview, Garb. Oh. There we go. We'll see. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> he was great. Well, uh, Halloween. Halloween is the one day of the year in Dublin where it's lawless. It's insane. I was going around Tala with my daughter and her friends and just keeping an eye on them and um, but just you know as you'd be chatting away and you'd be voice noting someone back and forth every voice note just sounds like the front line in a war <laughs> mayhem mayhem for reporting one day reporting from only. Baghdad yeah one day only <laughs> mayhem all over Dublin so yeah. I do I'm a big fan of Halloween I have to say I actually am not a fan of Halloween but I did some Halloween-y things you did for the so, first I, time. I, I got a text off you about a in, pumpkin uh, I, I carved a pumpkin did you gut the pumpkin what did, did you do with the guts I did it proper 
It's yeah. a bit of crack, isn't it? Actually, yeah. It's fun. And I saw the the Exorcist because it was the 50th anniversary, so the 1973 version. Did you already see? it? So it came out around the time of the three replays at Lawn. <laughs> There you go. <laughs> you could bring back the extras <laughs> to a, a drawn at long. No, I'd never seen it before. That's why I went. I, For some reason, I just hadn't what'd seen it. What do you think? It, it was an absolute masterpiece. Isn't it brilliant? But the thing is, nothing could ever live up to that. All the Exorcist mm. movies after it are poor. I watched The That's Nun the other night. Literally what I said coming out. Terrible. All it, these films are awful. Maybe there's a couple that are borderline okay, but other than that, they just fluffed them. That's being mm. honest. But it is. Where'd you watch it? Stella? Lighthouse. The Lighthouse. And, uh, D7. But uh, my favourite Halloween story had to be from Orla. She just goes, Simon Madden just knocked into the gaff dressed as Dracula. So many jokes. <laughs> Such as, he always did hate crosses. hey <coughs> Genuinely, like, did he... I, I hope he has that type of sense of humour. I hope he just thought, right, this is going to be hilarious. <laughs> Um, yeah. Yeah. So, and just a random question, not about Halloween, but just sort of like the weekend and the last four or five days. Does Finny Maguire live in Cork now? I think he's he's absconded. I think he's. Uh, I feel like he's been there two weeks. Eloped. Like, I think. Is have the they word. sent a ransom note yet? <laughs> Finny loves it. Yeah, he was looking fairly rough in the Cork away end. Anyway, yeah. I think he'd been on the points all day. But um, that's the the Halloween, but the Tifties Player of the Year voting had opened on Saturday, prop. And we won't give you too. We won't give too much away, but it's very very close. We're waiting on the provincial towns to get involved. That's what's going on here. Now, when you say provincial towns, are you talking a certain town in Galway? Could and be. a certain town in Tipperary? Could be. Yeah. There's also the hotbed are in the race, Prof. The hotbed is in the race. Don't Ooh, forget. Absolutely, yeah. Um, so keep voting. It's uh, tifties.com forward slash P-O-T-Y. Get your votes in. We are going to cut them. Friday night mm. and then on the Saturday you're going to have the goal of the season award so keep an eye out for our Twitter we're going to have a thread mm. we're going to have eight goals in it unless there's a couple of crackers this Friday and we're going to get you to vote on every one of them and there's been some screamers this year it's tight in my opinion but I have a feeling mm. I know who's going to take it home Marcus who we're chatting to later on his builder at Daily Mound is a contender um, absolutely definitely get your individual votes in Garrett no duplicates Yeah, Garrett name and shame Name and shame. We've got Sophie Penny, Walk of Shame coming up at the Player of the Year Awards. Shame. The gent. I need a bell to ring here. That's what your job is. That's the only thing you have to do. (laughs) It's to shame them with the bell. Um, We've got Kieran Gentleman. Our Greenblood said he voted for his missus, so will will we allow that? Oh, we'll have to get we'll have to verify that one. Okay. Um, So no more duplicates, please only vote once. And um, it is gonna be a, a cracker of a night. Obviously, the, the the player of the year is what we're pushing because that's in only a week and a half. But maybe you eagle-eyed viewers or listeners may have spotted something on the Civic website. Absolutely, bro. So we did promise something on Tuesday. We did, and what we're going to do is for all of the Christmas presents and the Rovers people in your life, we have a, the best present ever. You have a Chris Crindle coming up, Rovers. It's a no-brainer. We are going to have our first ever official live show in the Civic Theatre in Tallaght on January 13th. So this is going to be in an actual theatre, on an actual stage. 50s are going on stage. We're on stage. and um, Nearly 300 people. Yep. So that's going to be the Christmas and the Chris Kringle presence. It's mm. on sale up until January 12th. And we'll, uh, we'll talk more about that in the, coming, flat out, aren't we, in the coming weeks. Um, we'll give you more and more details. 
as we get them in terms of who might be showing up any surprises and all that so yeah so that's what you have to look forward to yes. take these on stage uh one last note the quiz prediction competition i had to go back because i forgot to write it down i had to go Sean back dorkin was convinced oh, he said i'd buy him a point of white horse because he had gary o'neill I had to go back in to all the, the Insta and the Facebook and the Twitter and everything to see who picked who, right? Two people only picked Gary O'Neill. Sean Durkin and someone with a username n.dxngx87. Not sure who that is. Show me. Oh, yeah. Nathan Dongo. Oh, that's Nathan Dongo's. Nathan okay. Dongo, yeah. So those two have picked uh, Gary O'Neill. And here's, here's the gas part. You won't believe this. Only one person picked Jack Byrne. Jack Byrne himself. Can you believe who it was? The no. man who wins all the golden goals. Lee Kelly? Lee Kelly. Lee Kelly picked Jack? Of course he did. If Lee Kelly actually wins this competition and a free ticket to the Player of the Year award. <laughs> He's psychic. Um, we don't actually have that final this week. We're hoping to have it for you next week when we're back with our Sligo review. So we're hoping to crown the uh, Quifties champion next week here. Quifty's champ, yeah. It's been brilliant stuff. Um most enjoyable part of the podcast for me all year. I have to say, Harry has knocked it out of the park. He's brilliant. So prof, the big one, two nil Pats Richmond Park on Friday to win the league. Four in a row. And um Forrest are left on the bench and the goal mm. difference going in, prof. Hit us with your goal difference. Yeah, well going in the crack was that Derry could only overtake us on goal difference and we were seven ahead of them. This, of course, would mean we'd have to lose both our games. Pats, I think, we were 14 ahead of them. So if we had drawn the game, we would have effectively won the title. Mm. But, of course, we wanted to win it. And if we had lost, they actually would have drawn level with us on points. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, that was, that's how it was going in. Um, the Pats, the ticket situation, it wasn't quite as bad as like a, a derby, a bows away game. But oh, I noticed bad. our instant was getting gnashed out it a lot of times. It was pretty bad, wasn't it? And I was I was starting to get riled up, Gary. I, I, was, like, I was look. I knew this would happen, <laughs> and I like doing it because I know when I do this, like I throw out any spares, and I know someone's gonna go. I need one, and I'm saying I'm in my, in my head. I'm thinking I'm asking for them. <laughs> I'm asking for the spares, and I'm I'm just thinking a prof. Did I going ape shit? Did I not make a passionate plea? He did. That's on what this I was podcast. I said, why would we have spares? Yeah, any spares, get them into us. Need one. Need one. Keep me in mind. Keep me in mind. Where would we keep the spares? No. Very, very hard to get in. Um, um, I love this post from Andrew, uh, Pat's fan. He goes, because he knows like, that robbers were probably buying tickets in the Kamak. And he goes, fuck's sake, this situation robbers buying Pat's home end tickets is giving me flashbacks to the Melvin Lambert on goal a few years ago. And a lot of robbers fans popped up out of nowhere celebrating, please win, Saints. <laughs> Do you remember that? That yeah. was brilliant. We were in the four provs, you remember? Yeah. Mayhem um, in the provs. So there were some Hoobers in the Kamak. How did they stay quiet for the two goals? Amazing restraint. I think what happened eventually is they just kind of bundled together and just got into the shed end possibly but mm. I don't know it's a tough one isn't it yeah we've done it ourselves before we were in the Jody for the 4-0 massacre nothing to celebrate there that was only a handful of people wasn't it um, some cool flags actually at the game um, you had the flag with the, the four in a row years on the left side and the current years on the right yeah. uh, I know it's the South Sand collective flag down at the bottom the paintbrushes uh, were out for that one prof we had the Yoda <laughs> champions. We are loved it. Yeah, brilliant. Loved it. 
Excellent stuff. Um, but so the build-up prof, the Patriots was jammers. Very, very cool little pub, I have to say. So the Guinness, very, very, very nice Guinness prof. I'm giving it a nine. Ooh. On the day, it got, it got a nine out of ten. It was superb. Um, and then it was just a mishmash of all sorts of walks of different Rovers fans. You'd Southstand Collective, mm. you'd Ultras, you'd uh, Tifties, you'd, you'd loads of different fans everywhere it was it was brilliant and it was jammed so we marched to seven even though the kickoff was actually eight for because because the tv and it was basically just a march up the road but it actually was yeah it was really cool aside from i didn't see the march on myself um there's not now i was sometimes in the center of it sometimes uh absolute plebs started throwing fireworks at anything that moved i thought I'm gonna step out here for a bit, yeah. actually. Uh, Just so keep my skin yeah. intact. So there was that, but other than that, it was uh, it was good. I loved the videos of it and everything. So the first half, Prof. first half, um, yeah, I think that's possibly a little bit more up for it. Um, first like five said, minutes, ain't no Forrester. Um, they did hit the crossbar in the first half. Great shot from Keen Wo- Keen um, Levy, a good little player. But overall, I thought we played well in the first forty-five. We had one goal ruled out for Gaffney offside. Um, the Frugia penalty appeal that was first half wasn't it um, I thought that was a stone wall yeah I did um, as well. maybe he was too honest he stayed, he's tried to stay in his feet um, I think that's just a clear cut penalty I don't, don't can't believe he didn't give it um, really well well yeah <laughs> <laughs> and the Finn injury so uh, what was it was it a knee or definitely jarred his knee yeah. and um, pulled off unfortunately and then Cabo yeah. came on so we had Sean Cabinet coming in and I think they did kind of attack that area for a while and when Cabo came on initially and it was like it was nervy every time they attacked that end yeah. but especially second half Cabo was doing his usual thing it was, you know his the pings I like in the, the centre of the course. pitch and he was involved in the first goal as well so Overall, not uh, a bad introduction for for Cabo. Um, I suppose we're going to the second half, Gary. Going into yeah, KG, KG enough first half. I was always confident. I was talking beforehand to the match in a minute, guys, and I think the comment I made was I said I I trust this team. I trust them to come up mm-hmm. with the goods when it matters. They always do, and Gary Brennan always says it as well. He says that these this team just shows mm-hmm. up. Time and a time, time and time again, when it matters. Now, to be honest, I was pulling my hair out <coughs> in the <this coughs> second half. Uh, I thought we were playing poorly. I thought our, all our decision making was was bad. Just who to who to find on the pitch, when to play the pass. I was it was very frustrating to watch, but it was still nil nil, and we were in the game. I think being thwarted was the word mm. I just felt like we were just being frustrated and blunted mm. at times at one stage the match got actually very hectic yeah and there was just like a lot of fouls and it was just a really hectic sort of 10 minutes and yeah it was it was kind of mad that and was then, excellent stuff yeah and then, then it kind of settled down and uh, did you see these goals coming or I didn't expect it at all I um, when it broke out to Watts I was thinking to me, like I was watching it up there. I was thinking, no, there's no way he's gonna get that back in. What's come on for tell? Actually, did well. Yeah, perfect pinpoint cross in, and Greener was so good. Watch as when we watch the replay, he just kind of t- 
takes it two or three steps back, mm. gets himself into the perfect position and just nods it in. And it's a great finish. Like it is a tough finish, brilliant. Um, Who's the defender again? Is it Redmond? Redmond, yeah. Yeah, he looks favourite to win this header. Yeah, I was surprised he didn't because he was doing well all game um, and he was busy laughing at the fans in the shed end yeah. as well when we got a disallowed goal. But uh, I that's probably one of my favourite parts of the night between everything, between the the march and the roar in the stand and behind the goal when that goal went in. I'll never forget that. And the four probs after, like it was a great night. But the fact that Greener got this goal I, I really enjoyed that it was him yeah it was class, uh, like no more deserve a man like important player in the four in a row okay he was a bit bit part this season um, Greener will go down in, as, um, as a legend a Rovers legend without a shadow of a doubt he's had some brilliant moments mm-hmm. he's, um, he's had some bad moments too he lost his man at the yeah. start of the season he, we had that fan incident we had a few weird fan incidents we? we had Pigo we had Greener we had Brazzer and Cork Um. Uh, Jake and our group uh, I wrote down the timestamp 9.41 I reckon this was like a minute before the goal and he goes ah here's Greener to save the day <laughs> good man oh, Jake brilliant no sorry yeah. wasn't there um, and then it was a uh, brilliant bit of um, persistence from Borky on 92 minutes and uh, he bears down on goal wins the yeah. tackle one on one Borky scores these all day and the second he was one on one, I was thinking he's got around him. He's yeah, got around him. I was thinking lovely. What about from your, from your angle? From my angle, I thought he pushed too wide, and I thought, ah, oh, he's. That's exactly what I thought. But it's, when you watch it back, he's no, he's in control. Yeah, yeah. it's just it depends on your angle that you were at. But then yeah. Q mayhem, absolute mm. madness in the stands, and excellent, just just brilliant. Yeah, because you know that's the clincher. Then that's the ninety second minute. Um, and there was seven minutes injury time, by the way. Yeah, because when we were one nil up. Uh, a few flares from our end were thrown onto the pitch like why would you delay the match when you're trying to uh, see out the win like mad stuff uh, Brad's celebration for Greener's goal he got booking for that did you just see he was the cameras yeah he just appears on the pitch just you know when those cameras start that means you've done it because yeah. it's never the norm like it's not you never take pictures of gaffers when they when when they're when they're winning regular games all you could see was flashes everywhere and you're just thinking here we go titles in the bike yeah and I've got to mention Greener a uh, great show by uh, Martin Moore he was sitting in front of me and he goes uh, Greener scored the first goal of the four in a row the late winner in Daily Mount 2020 remember the monsoon like conditions yeah, yeah and he almost scored the last goal of the four in a row like uh, Berkey ended up scoring after him but uh, it was an amazing bookend wasn't it very apt first and very, last very apt. sort of last um, so yeah we had we had Pigo doing uh, the knee slide or was no sorry he dived <laughs> this I watched this back and dived I towards was end. cracking up yeah. he just went skin good oh sorry no uh, Berkey did the knee slide the cleansman and he had the, the four fingers up yeah. to the Kamak I was hoping he would shush Brian Kerr wherever he is again uh, yeah, Pigo did the Klinsman. <laughs> uh, that was deadly. So yeah, just brilliant uh, celebrations. And then as you leave, see, we ran a bus to the prov, so we had to. I, I was just kind of standing there, directing our bus goers onto the bus and where where it was waiting. But just everyone coming out, you're just you're hugging everyone. Must have hugged about hundred people. <laughs> Everybody's just hugging and mayhem outside yeah. on the just brilliant. Yeah, yeah, you can hear the fireworks in the background. Fireworks there. are still going Day on after Halloween here. So that was it, Gareth Champions. 
we made history. Um, great footage of the team after injured car. The ground had cleared. You had the team huddle, the players and staff singing "Build Me Up Buttercup," and have a couple of great quotes about that. Uh, it's later, a very rare thing on. to see such a together group. The togetherness and the camaraderie that exists within this is once of a lifetime stuff between the likes of Mal or, mm-hmm. or the kit men and the chefs and mm-hmm. everybody, John Craig and everybody who looks after the team. It's such a tight knit community that exists within there, and I think. Someone touched on it. It could have been Borky, Richie Tell. Someone in the in the in the in the papers recently touched on it and said that they deserve so much. I think it was Pico. I think they deserve a lot of credit. Yeah, we the actually have the calls team. from him. Yeah. yeah, as well. Um, a couple of last notes on the the pitch invasion. Uh, noble effort by the stewards in Richmond Park to put up that sort of uh, was it plastic sort of fence. But my first thought was, um. Pitch invasions when teams win the league. Is that not the norm? Yeah. Like, why try and stop the inevitable? It's going to happen. And it did happen. Um, we had Glenn Cronin in uh, Member Carity's green sort of leprechaun jacket. Uh, another one that highlights didn't I? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It was yeah. a great photo, actually. Yeah. Um, not, not a big fan of the song We Won the League in Inchicore, to be honest, because uh, it reminds me of the Dundalk. We did, yeah. we did it in Tala. 2015 uh, we've got we've got like 30 songs to choose from uh, that wouldn't be my favourite now so yeah Gar, back to the pros we went back to the pros so bus full of us I think there might have been 40 on the bus so we're full we're going in and we use the upstairs room so it's mayhem at four so I had to jump in jumped in behind the bar just pulling points everywhere just dishing them out and then when it kind of got fuller and then the a, a few more staff came in so it says right I'm going to have a point and then I walked down to help out. I think I was getting glasses or something like that. And I just we just booked the upstairs room right down to the bar. Full. Rovers everywhere. Right, so I walked into the lounge. Full. Hoops SC. Ricky Keegan and his mob. And all, the whole place was jammed. They didn't even go on the bus. So I was looking at it going, job done. Here we go. I remember seeing the... Because I, I spent the whole time upstairs. I came down for a point a couple of times. And I went back up. But then later on I saw a photo of like... I think it was like Martin Dunster... Dennis Donahue uh, was buzzed there. Uh, yep, was, was, few, yeah. like, it was about eight or nine lads. I was like, oh, damn, wish I'd been in that conversation. I, know. I didn't know they were all there. Yeah, I, like I, I said, I was just doing the rounds and kind of walking yeah. around and I noticed that they were there. I didn't know it was so jammers downstairs as well. Um, Big shout out to Jamie Heaton and the rest of the South Stand Collective lads as well, throwing on a brilliant night. Um, music was class. Just the atmosphere in general, everybody just having a massive love in. It was absolutely brilliant. Yeah, they didn't ask me to jump in on the decks, I noticed, for some reason. Even though I've, I've had the decks here in my house for a whole week. DJ Obviously, I've been prop. practicing. DJ prop. Yeah. Uh, Philly McGuire, do you have that there, Gar? He, he said, uh, four in a row, four in a row again. Bradley can't explain. Robbers win again. That was ringing out in the problem. So that's to the tune of There She Goes. Uh, one of many songs, Gar, about the four in a row. I think Stafford has an absolute cracker as well. Is that the one he started on the bus? Brilliant. He claims he tried not to start, but... Yeah, and now it's just fully <laughs> yeah. fledged now. It's absolutely brilliant. Um, just in the four in a row, again, I think this was Martin Moore. I think he said this at the game, and he's like, it hasn't even been done in England. Like man, I, I never looked at it like that. Like I Manchester never, City, yeah. Man, Man United, Arsenal, Liverpool, Chelsea. None of them have won four leagues in a row. It's interesting, isn't it? When you think of it like that. Mm-hmm. I never even thought of the comparison. 
Yep. Yeah. So uh, the club tweet profit, even if Shamrock Rovers eventually get their act together, it may already be too late for title hopes. Which, uh, which is like we said, we have a cash, we have a <laughs> a, a huge surplus yeah. of tweets and screenshots. Brazzer actually did. Well, he was asked about that, and he said, he said, well, there you go. That was the team's so talk for the rest of the season. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um. Yeah. We also have Sean Gannon has now officially won more leagues than St. Pat's. Oh my God! Is that is that yeah. true? He's on eight yeah. then, is he? Uh, ten. But it's one. Of, you know, he doesn't count one of them. He only, <coughs> he only made one appearance in 2011 so he'll tell you that it's nine uh, so yeah we get Stephen Bradley it's happened again that that video of balls where him and McPhail were absolutely abused yeah. coming off the pitch I think it was 2018 was it absolutely yeah um, you had the return of Bottler Bottler appeared in in Chicago yeah great to see a Rovers legend the Rovers terrorist yeah. legend he saw the, the original four in a row and yeah. he was back to see us clinch this one um, I was also reminded just because we're talking about the Aiden Fitzmaurice headline in the Herald there I think it was it was the 31st of March it was around then wasn't it um, could be too late for, for title hopes I remember I said this in the show at the time I remember being on the WAC Express to Dundalk we hadn't won a game we hadn't won our first six games yeah and someone said to me the league is gone who was it? The league is gone. No, no, not the name and shame. Name, name. Shame type. But it just... I don't get panic merchants because I I just look at what we've done as a collective over the last couple of years. We can never rule us out. You can never, ever rule us out. Well, how, how many games in? Six. The reason I wasn't worried was because we were playing well. Yeah, actually we were. We That's what it was. The start of the season, the Cork games... We were actually we weren't picking up points and we were dropping points, but we were playing really well, and that's what we said. We said if you listen yeah. back, you'll be like, "We're grand, we're, we're actually making ch- we'll we'll tighten it up at the back and we'll score." Like it's no issue. That spell where we won like five way games in a row was like Derry, Dundalk, Bowes. I think UCD was one of them as well. I actually don't think we played as well as that again all season. That was probably our peak, but that was like if you look at our points, Addy, that was a crucial period. And that was just coming out with the bad start. Yeah. Uh, we had Ben Stafford there, another man who was there for the four in a row in the nineteen eighties. I asked him, "Was his robber's jacket?" I was like, "Did you actually wear that jacket the last time we won four in a row?" And he laughed and he said, "No, it's actually kind of a new jacket. It's, it's retro." I think I asked um, him what uh, what team was better. Yeah. And I think I have a few points on me at this stage. Mm. I think I think what you said. One in the eighties because they did two three doubles. I'm not. I have to have to think back on it. I could be wrong, yeah. but um, yeah, brother. If there was ever a year someone was going to catch us, it was this one. I don't think they'll get mm. that opportunity again. Because we gave them a head start, basically. Absolutely, yeah, brilliant, great show from brother. Ed Indo. He did speak of how sessions with psychotherapist Mary Larkin, a new addition to the Rovers camp, have helped him along the way. That was our team talk for the rest of the year. We just pinned it up there and said, "Here we go." Um, I don't go for siege mentality. I don't do that. It's about our processes and what we do. But I thought that was interesting. I thought we showed the mentality around people were wanting us to fail. It's Ireland, isn't it? People don't like success in any form, and that one kind of <laughs> picked up. That's actually quite true. The Irish nature at times. Can be very hypocritical, 
and they don't like Irish people at times just don't like see people succeeding they don't like success like we were all rooting against the Irish rugby team <laughs> like we're we're horrible a bunch at times you know what I mean but um, yeah no it's I, I agree with Bradzer on that one and Pico on the management staff this is a brilliant quote they've been absolutely unbelievable Lopez said what they've done since day one is incredible every little detail they looked into and tried to improve it no matter what it was and how small it was they did that with me they saw a player in me they made me win the league four times I can't speak highly enough of the manager and the staff what they do for us on a day to day basis the ambition and where they wanted to take this club from day one and the message is how they get that across to the players I think you can see that the group we have will die for the staff here that is a yep. magic quote and it sh- just brings us back to the, what we spoke about about how together this group are I never get tired of the Pico story the fact that they took a chance on him I think it was Glenn wasn't it who was sorry because Glenn worked with him at Bowes yeah. in 2010 I think uh, it was more about his mentality and his raw materials that he had that he mm. possessed a naturally good defender who put his body on the line but his mentality was the bigger thing and the evolution of Pico Lopez, four-part documentary, Prof. We're going to make it. Think about it. Don't talk to me about documentary. <laughs> uh, the D word. Yeah, and then we have Finner, and he says, I suppose I've been at the club for 11 years now. That's across two stays. And you always hear about the foreigner role, such a successful team, such big characters. Uh, they come around the group at the end of the year. We'd always see them, have a drink with them. And I suppose it became a reality at the start of this season. Knowing that if we achieve our targets, that we sit at the top table with them. This top table is a phrase being used a lot now, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. And he says, "Listen, he's like Joey, listen. like Joey now, isn't he? Listen, five in a row. Do do, do the voice. <laughs> five in a row has to be the ambition." Um, he says, "I don't think that ambition comes away from the group. You just see the lads in the dressing room. You see the hunger. It's there in abundance. I think when you lose that hunger, lose your edge." That's when things start changing, but this group is so hungry. It's full of experience. A lot of people talk about our age and stuff like that, but it comes down to experience as well. We've been questioned over the last couple of years, but we've won the league with two games to spare, so credit where it's due. The group is strong. We've all been together. We've bonded. We've done it as a group. It hasn't really dawned on us what we've done, but in years to come, it'll be nice to look back on that you were a part of it. And just a note on that, um... Finner has equaled Peter Eccles five league medals and now Adam Manis is out in front with six. So Manis all time record Wow six league titles for Shamrock. Just a note on Ronald Finn, um our first ever interview for the podcast six years ago. Yeah. Um a tremendous servant for the club who will forever be a Rovers legend um, I think, hope Darren Glennon has space on his left arm or his right arm <laughs> for a tattoo because he's tattoo worthy at this stage oh f- such a gentleman a nice fella has never ever let us down when it comes to anything the first ever recipient of the Shamrock Rovers Tifty sorry the Tifty's player of the year awards and the Provs as well oh yeah so I like that he won that one because I'm not going to rant again about Mandroya winning the club 2019, one. wasn't it, wasn't it? Hmm? 2019, wasn't it? No, 2021. 2021? Yeah. What am I thinking of? I'm thinking of the cup. Sorry, go on. Yeah, no, I, I love that Finner won our Player of the Year award. And that it was different to the club one. Yeah. He just yeah. ran away with it. He, like, he's, mm. he ran away with the votes, but he's... It's, it's hard to put into words to describe what he's done for the club. He This goes back to the whole four in a row discussion 
about who has the four medals and who you could say kickstarted the whole thing. He rejuvenated the squad. Mm. His signing was huge when he came back from Dundalk. How often does Brazier credit that? That's that kickstarts this whole thing and it tempted other players back. Well, Ronan Finn's going, I'll go. That's that's what started. Now we could talk yeah. about this for hours, but there was an article with him the other day about how it was, it was a surprise career move. And I was surprised at the time, wasn't he? He just won back to back leaves with Dundalk. Absolutely. Um he wasn't was he captain there? Can't remember. I would have loved but to have been a fly in the wall to just listen to that conversation that to sit in the room with him and what was said to tempt him back. Yeah. Like it's huge. It's such a huge and pivotal decision and moment in the club's history. It's massive. Just um yeah, so the driver five is on next it's year. On prop. Yeah. Just a couple of notes on songs. Um like I said, the squad got together and they sung Build Me a Buttercup in an empty Risham Park after the game, after the title was won and everything. And the fans had got on the buses to the four provinces and went everywhere else. Um, I like this quote from Greenblood. He said, We adopted this song in the mid-2000s when we were ragball rovers. With just our history, our shirt and a band of diehards to our name, the song references the heartbreak of believing and never achieving. Achieving. Well, no more. What an amazing group. Pure joy to witness. And another note on songs. We have this from Eamon Mack. He goes, I always found the foreign and roll chant fairly bittersweet. Almost haunting. We'd sing it a lot when things were grim. Both a reminder of our highest points and a way to survive the lowest. But it felt like it was in the past and so distant. Not anymore. It's just what we do. Yeah. And I think... Before we talk about the best 11 of the four in a row, I think our advice to fans is just wallow in it. And like we always say on the show, football is fleeting. You have to enjoy it while it happens. Don't think about what's coming next. Don't think about the past. Think about what's currently happening and just enjoy it. Because you have to live in the moment. That's how I feel about it. And you look back on it and you'll, you'll, if you'll regret if you were thinking too much into it. Just enjoy what's currently happening. And uh, a final thought before you caught out the or we attempt a team of some sort but someone put up a graphic of all the league winners from 2014 basically Dundalk's first title under Kenny and it's just a picture of Dundalk Crest 1, 2, 3 Cork 2017 the Sean McGuire season Dundalk 1, 2 so basically Dundalk would have won 6 in a row if not for Sean McGuire and then we've won the following four. He'd some season, hadn't he? Yeah. Brilliant stuff. So, best so, 11 four in a row, Prof. This is a horrific task. I'll have nothing to do with it. <laughs> I think the midfielders and forwards is not that difficult. The back... like The back five is tricky. Joey, Joey gets in. Purely for... Like, we have to have parameters here. So, length of time in the team is going to be a clincher here. See, you saw people medals won. Andy Lyons, who was sensational in his season, but Scales had a sensational year and a half with us. Plus, he can play two positions, so I am putting him left wing back. So, so that's gone. your definitive yeah moment. You know, there. you know, I'm picking Joey. Yeah. You know, so yeah. <laughs> so I've got Manus, Finn, Grace, Pigo, Joey, Scales on the left, and I think the rest is not that difficult. I think it's McIniff, Gary O'Neill, Burke, Jack Byrne, Gaffney. How long was that? Danny Danny was with us for a season? Season and a half. Season and a half. Very, very influential season and a half. But once again, it comes down to parameters and what mm. way we are going to choose to pick it. It's like a point to Guinness, Prof. 
what does Maloney say? Shtick, texture, temperature. I think the three, the three <laughs> things. So you need to have your stick, your temperature, and your, your texture for for the four in a row team. A, a book actually came out there just last week. Uh, one man's search for the perfect pint of Guinness. Mm. So uh, I might check that. No, I'm not claiming it was easy to pick that team. Uh, like you could deliberate over that back five for hours. This could. Um, this like warrants, you say, you can put Danny in. Yeah, we're gonna have a four in, a four in a row show. We're gonna have something over Christmas. I'd say we could do a four in mm. a row special, and we could sit down with some of the four. People who've won four medals in a row, you know, and you uh, get their insights onto it. It could be a real blood and guts, Brad's are cast type show, you know. And 12 players won all four league medals from 2020 to 2023. Serious core and of players, isn't it? Eight players won all four in the 80s. So in the current squad, we have the two goalkeepers, Manus Poles. We have Finn, Pigo, Grace, Frugia, Gary O'Neill, Burke, Watts, Green, Cabinet, Rory Gaffney. In the 80s, we had Jody Byrne, Harry Kenny, Kevin Brady, Peter Eccles, Derma Keely, Pat Byrne, Mick Neville and John Cody, who left for Chelsea in December 1986, but he still got his medal, still played that season. So we had 12 this time on 8 in the past. Excellent. Absolutely unbelievable, Prof. But Roddy has had to say, Prof, watch out for Matt Aaron. Do I have to do the voice? Watch out for <laughs> Watch out for Matt Aaron issuing a green and white storm warning because the rain is here to stay. It isn't just a force. See what you did there, Gare? You yeah. said rain. <laughs> yeah. R-E-I-G-N. See that, Gare? Yeah, I saw that, Because he means rain. Yeah, but, he think, said, but he's written rain. Have you read his book? <laughs> his book? <laughs> it, just isn't, it isn't just a force team that gets built. You also see construction works inside their stadium as piece by piece a four-sided ground has been put together. That's something the FEI should learn from. Right now, there is lots of interest in League of Ireland clubs, but any investor needs to be subjected to a stadium tax for want of a better phrase. In other words, if you're buying into a new club, then you have to buy into the community and not just the force team that means spending on infrastructure and then the FAI can provide the government with an incentive to match the owner's investment otherwise the past will repeat itself we saw Dundalk receive huge investment from Peak 6 but what is their legacy money was wasted on average journeyman players Oriel Park meanwhile remains a dump think of the think two of the money shells Drada and Bo spent in the Naughties look two of their grounds all three are dumps so that has to change he has all very valid points there and I think that's not a bad show for the infrastructure system. If you are going to buy a club, you have to commit to com- improving the ground, which is uh, very shrewd from, from Roddy. A stop clock is right twice a day, isn't it? So Roddy has, you can't argue with that. He is hitting the He's going to be knocking down on Captain Jordan on for the head, scrap yeah. here. Well, he, he knows my address. He has been here to record a podcast. But, uh, prof with the smoke. I think that is... I think that's a fantastic idea. It's brilliant, yeah. No, and I think it just, as regards to going forward with infrastructure plans, it takes someone who's genuinely one hundred percent interested in the in the league to come up with a massive, massive restructuring plan. But it also takes we need like a mole or we need a man in the government. You know, we need a real proper League of Ireland man to really push this on and get us that big greyhound money and get us the big <laughs> investment money. But listen, we'll see what happens. We we might have a few. Willing to go into government. Just got a flashback to Roddy calling me that night when he was he was at Walkerstown. He was like, which way do I go? Yeah, yeah, I remember. Yeah. I, was sitting, I think I remember, <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, so Cork, prof, the party central, nil all at Turner's Cross on the bank holiday. And we had a um, 
a little stop off in the Brian Baru. So big shout out to the Brian Baru and Cashel. They looked after us, and of course Tipperary Hoops and Colleen Nolan, who um, got a spread put on for us with wings and goujons and sausages and the pride of rings end turned up. So about 40 or 50 of us in the pub are just enjoying and wallowing in the success. So um, big shout out to uh, the lads in the Brian Baru. They were brilliant with us. And we'll definitely be stopping back again. Not for my this time, though. No, for my this time, no, probably yeah. didn't want to. So we, we don't had, want to leave anyone. <laughs> so we had uh, ten changes, Gar. Ten changes. Lee you were laughing at this. Lee Grace was the only one. Drew was a short straw, did he? Yeah, I think Lee might uh, have stayed out later than everybody. So that's probably what it was. <laughs> right, Lee. Curfew was seven in the morning. Came in at eight. Seven on Monday morning. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. the team was Poles, Gannon, Hor, Grace, Green, Power, Nugent, Board, Cruz, Noonan, Ratsy. Um, are we Ratsy or Razzy? So Gannon first game since Federal at home and the first league game since Dundalk away. Yeah, and it was actually a first competitive start for the club for Naj and it was a first league start for both Simon Power and Kieran Cruz. Um they had started less a senior cup and present cup games, but uh first league starts for both. And some bench, like listen to this bench. Manus Pico, Cleary, Watts, Burke, Cavo, O'Neill, Tell, Gaffney. Someone actually said, would the would those nine actually give the eleven on the pitch a game? Absolute power bench. Um like we've been in that situation before. We would have took that team to take on the eleven in Cork <laughs> the last the last time. Um also just on Nash, <laughs> uh reportedly we have Real Madrid, Arsenal and Chelsea. All interested in the young man who only turned 17 on Sunday. We're going to talk about the game in a while, but Nadge, what, like, he was everywhere. He was winning balls back in our own tour. Do you think he's doing too much of that? It's possible, but listen, maybe, that's, great that, to watch, maybe that's his game. Yeah. But for me, I was loving Conan Noon. Yeah. Like, Jaden and Abby were to the right because we're not cool to stand beside him anymore. So they were a little bit down. Already that age, are they? But, um, yeah, yeah. Even that, I was given a radius for yesterday for a trick-or-treating. It's oh like, God. Dad, 10 feet, please. But then she, she realised I knew I had all the good roots. So wonder, wonder if Simon Madden as uh, Dracula have these, <laughs> these same problems. Yeah. Just keep back, Dad. We were back on good terms. But Conan Noonan, I said, to, obviously we're chatting about the game on the way home in the car. And Jaden said 34 with Conan Noonan. I said he was everywhere. The, his, his deliveries, I think he took them with both feet again. Mm. His left foot was superb. His ability to find a pass, he was just... He's basically in the number six Gary O'Neill <sighs> role. He was excellent, but he was he was so forward-thinking yeah. as well. Technically, he's excellent. He was finding passes. He was brilliant. But is that right? Has he played But when we've seen him, have we not seen him as more of a forward? That's the thing. I'm not too sure of his position. And for It was like him and Nadge were the two midfielders in front of our three yeah. defenders. It's what it was like. And they were just back and forth and legs forever. Like they, they did you see Nadge's heat map? <laughs> no, I actually didn't. It's ridiculous. It's ridiculous. So uh, no, very impressed by Nadge and Conan Newell. And Conan won man the match. And afterwards he actually sent to the media that is his first official medal. Mm. Even though he's been around the squads for all four, yeah. that's his first official medal. Um so yeah, great to see so, Conan. Especially because he missed a lot was it last season? Uh, where he had like, COVID issues so great to see the young man back um, yeah. we won't talk too much about the game I mean the first half was kind of end of season fair wasn't it Like it, it was, was a good game though it was, it was the second lively. half was a very good game it was lively enough did, but 
Um, I thought the first half was kind of boring. Yeah, it's what you're going to get at the end of the season. But there's a lot of people out there trying to impress. So you had the likes of Naj and Cohen and Tinkin for next season. Um, I I just really enjoyed seeing the young guys get a chance. And now, possibly with the evolution of the squad... There, there's spots there's spots there you know yeah pitchers in some stables oh god um, understandable considering the amount of rain that's been in Cork the last week and a half but um, is, is Turner's going to host the the first division playoff we talked about this yeah. Aussie Nate myself and Gary Brennan were just commenting on how bad the pitch was and how much we want Cove to beat them I, I hope Cove that'll be the story it'd be season, excellent wouldn't it if Imagine. Cove relegated them um, yeah, Brazzer called the worst pitch all season. Also, no guard of honour, we should mention. Uh, Brazzer said it was poor from Cork. Um, I've never been one to take guard of honours too seriously. I'm not really going to get angry about this or anything. Uh, Brazzer was disappointed by it. Um, I just thought, in the circumstances, because of what happened to Brazzer back in May, I just thought... Like read the room. Yeah, I think the the Cork podcast, the Three Musketeers, they one of their guys was on ninety eight FM or Red FM, I think it was, and he was saying, he was saying like, like it's no big deal. I mean, you got you got your champagne beforehand, so that should be it. But there's another hand and there's another side of the coin you could look at and you could say, well, why would you bother giving them champagne and then playing up for the crowd? And saying, oh, well, we have to make it a fortress when... Siege mentality. You're shaking hands and giving them gifts beforehand. You're either all in or you're not. I think that's the way you could look at it. You could say, well, you're nice and off the pitch, but why don't you just be rude as well? You know, there's a couple of ways of looking at it. Siege mentality, but... Siege mentality, but here's some bubbly. Yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. Uh, Well done. Jim Conroy texts me. He absolutely loved his headline in the star. Rebels without applause. Oh, <laughs> that is brilliant. Who's Isn't that? that quality? Ah, yeah. kudos, kudos in for the star. One. Yeah. Um. No, no, I don't really care too much. It's a relatively new thing, isn't it? Guard of honors. Um. Of course, we famously didn't do it in Sligo in 2012, which no one had any affiliation with that. And maybe Bradshaw was there. No, Bradshaw was gone. No. So there you go. So Finner was actually the only one there, and he was injured. So literally, no player yeah. involved in both. Um. So yeah, now people are doing the water boundary then. I was you didn't do it in Sligo in twenty twelve. Um but yeah, there you go. Um also I just I just found the manager a bit of a spoofer. He's gone on about morals now, like I would have the morals but I have a relegation playoff. You either have morals or you don't. Yeah, what, I what, does, it was what cheap, does it was cheap stuff I what think? What does I would have morals mean? That's just spoofing. I would have more um yeah, but no I'd agree with Brad's on this one. And the second half prof a little bit feisty as well. Um, you Simon Power actually. Um, I thought he got about well. He could have had a hat trick in the first fifteen minutes. Uh, the he one, blazed he nearly, one over the bar. Nearly lobbed the keeper early on. Um, so yeah, Simon Power was good. He was also on the free kick to notice. Yeah, I would look at that as being um, Simon being rusty and getting into the mm. right positions. I like I like right places. From, yeah. yeah, absolutely. Um, second half, Gary. Yeah, much more exciting game and. The chance of the game was obviously the one that failed to Raj, wasn't it? Um, mm. You had the cushioned header from Hoar, and Raj unfortunately got under it and side-footed over the bar. Really should have buried it. Would have capped off a really good <coughs> performance by the young man, but mm. yeah, it wasn't the bigger. It sure wasn't, but, Prof, it was excellent. I think we have to talk about Leon Pauls. We need to talk about Leon. The two saves at the end. This save, now we had a great view, and ball got, because we're central, ball got tipped back across in the header I, I just I just thought oh, I don't want to end on a loss I just thought it went in and I saw him scoop it back out I was like this is 
insane. This is an absolutely outrageous save. It was a world. And the second one was just as good. It wasn't one of those camera saves where you tip it over the bar. He had to move his feet, turn back, flick it over the bar because it was going top corner. I don't know which one is better. I've watched them about 20 times each. They're unbelievable saves. They're both unbelievable. I think I prefer the first one because it was like shades of Thompson. Schmeichel, no? Was it Schmeichel doing one of those? Schmeichel ever? Oh, yeah. It wasn't got quite, Danish blood. It wasn't quite full stretch, Ryan Thompson and Belgrade, but it's it's an outrageous save um, to deny uh, header from Coffee. So this was his, his uh, He's always header, been good. Actually, number ten. He's, he's always played well against us. Yeah. So that's twelve clean sheets in eighteen league games for Liam Pauls. Brilliant. And might as well mention this here now. While we have it, Brazzer has actually. Announced him as our number one next season. Leon Powell's well deserved, and we look forward to him, Prof. And don't forget, the cheap plug is coming, Prof. Alamanis and Leon Powell's are going to be on stage together at the Player of the Year Awards. So, this I'm, I'm going to say it. Tifties.com. Tifties.com. Right? We and we. I, I've had this plan for weeks. Right? The passing of the gloves. It now got made official. <laughs> this could not have been planned any better. I'll be honest. I'm going to toot my own horn You're just here. like Randy in South Park when that announcement was made. Yeah, that's exactly... <laughs> like, I'm just thinking to myself, this cannot be happening. I text Jonesy and I was like, this has all fallen into place. So now you can see the actual passing of the globe. We're giving the passing of the jersey, the one. So um, you can see them on stage live. So it's going to be Big Al's good boy. The passing of the torch to Leon. I'm actually buzzing for it. I can't wait myself. Um, uh, just last couple of notes on this. We had Greener speaking to Keating at the end. Um, they seem to be speaking for a little, for a good little while. Both lost a parent. Yeah, so maybe that's what sad. that conversation was about. Um, televised games. I love like when Rovers win trophies and other clubs just take shots at us about pointless things. And this is one of those. Uh, our 13th televised game out of 24 12 out of 18 on RTE no Drogheda no UCD no Oriel Park good good no Oriel Park proper order hmm. um, so yeah we are apparently once again Gar FEI Dardings because we're showing television on the even though it's kind of the norm whoever wins the league RTE basically camp out at their headquarters for the last few weeks don't they? remember Cork Took ages to win the league in 2017. They literally tried to throw it away. And RTE televised about six of their games because yeah, they, yeah. they just wouldn't win the thing. And they're on TV every week. I'd like to see Virgin's approach to this. If they did have an approach, you know what I mean? Because there's different approaches to putting people on TV. I'd love to see Virgin's approach if they had a, if they had the whole say of every game, every televised game, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. So, prof, few stats for us. We know Conan got man of the match, so he was well deserved. Then he he did the little throw the jersey, throw the he didn't throw the trophy into us, but he mm. you know he did the ooh, and then we gave a round of applause. Poor fella is still mortified that he's actually a Rovers player, as in the appraise he was getting. He didn't know how to take it. Oh, uh, Pico pushed him forward. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, yeah, a few stats. Um, that was actually five clean sheets in a row. Our best all season. Excellent. So we oh. saved it for when I'm when I'll be at one the league in before Cork, but um, yeah, an important one of clean sheets. So in terms of uh, points gap at the top, this year it's seven at the moment, one game left. It was sixteen, that was the biggest in twenty twenty one. Thirteen the year before, eleven in twenty twenty. Um, 
Obviously, we went unbeaten in 2020, but only four losses uh, this season. So uh, it's the fewest, lo- second fewest losses, basically. So it was like it was six and it was five and it was four this year and it was zero in 2020. Um, in terms of like, 2020 was only 18 games. This took six games. So to kind of compare it to a league with more games, we only had four league defeats in in uh, twenty fifteen under Fenden. It was a thirty three game season. Got. Yeah, that actually comes up. Sixty three goals, the most since sixty nine in two thousand eleven. So we're scoring goals. Twelve. Really? Yeah. This is our biggest goal scoring season since two thousand eleven. It is. Yeah. Twelve draws, the most since two thousand thirteen. When we had 13 under Trevor Drawley. Remember him? Yeah. Oh, you're a child. It's going <laughs> to... It's going to be the most draws we've ever won the league with. The previous record was 10 in 2010. So we won the league with a lot of draws. The most ever by... Or sorry, it's the most draws by champions since Shelburne. 12 in 2004. Um, so we got 19 wins... That's not going to match the 24 or 2021. Um, conceded 25. Uh, it's their best defensive record of the last three years. Obviously, 2020 was the best, only seven. Goal difference, plus 38. The best of the four in a row was plus 39 last year. Um, if we beat that, it was plus 41 2019. Um, our away record now it's a different story 1-7 drew 9 lost 2 um, so 7 away wins in one season that's the, that's the lowest since 2018 and 8 away draws the most since you guessed it Trevor Crowdy 2013 <laughs> uh, Graham Burke looks set to finish top goal scorer in the league he's out competitions as well but just say the league for the moment Right, so he's going to be a top league goal scorer in four different seasons, so that would equal Gary Twig. He did it in four. Twig. So, just my last point on stats. Emma Wheatley wants stats like this instead. This one that came out uh, from a Leeds fan account, I think it was. Noel Whelan remains the only player to appear for Leeds United whose name features every letter in the word Halloween. He also played for Leeds on Halloween in 1995 in a 3-0 defeat to PSV in the UEFA Cup. Hashtag Halloween. Hashtag LUFC. You're never going to top that. Never going to top that stat. I'm, I'm jealous. I'm, I'm very jealous. Um, yeah, so that's it from the stats. Um, media stuff prof. German goalkeeper Leon Poles will start next season as first choice. We mentioned earlier. Shamrock Rovers have been given seal of approval by the outgoing Alan Manis. So Big Al with some nice words for Leon. I've had a number of conversations with Alan about Leon and Alan thinks he's the best in the league. Alan has said that after a number of times, that a number of times to me in the last year, I've picked his brains on that and why he feels he thinks Leon is ready to play for us. I don't think there's any doubt in that. So Leon Pauls, superb. Um, development and into fruition into our number one so we're looking forward to it what odds would you have gotten on this at the start of the dairy match in which he saved the penalty what odds would you have gotten on Liam Paul's being number one Shamrock Rovers goalkeeper in 2024 it's crazy it's brilliant but it's once again it's all about how we develop players we 
the projects that would you we never even spoke about Leon as a project we spoke about as like other players as we we hadn't seen him really yeah. tested we've only seen him in minor cup competitions um, but stuff. now we have seen him if Adam Manis has put his faith in him that's that's enough for me I mean I, I think if we, if we took a poll of the Rovers fans right now we might say some would probably say now keep him as number two or to keep him challenging another goalkeeper um, some would be happy enough with him as number one but yeah Brasler has made his decision um, I'm sure we will sign another keeper though promote so, him. maybe promote him mm. uh, so Bowes uh, Bowes yeah. felt the sixth and I think um, places fall asunder over in uh, Fisbury there's all sorts going on and it's not a good finish to the season let's be honest they were up and around four second toward and now it's just they really, really need a win. Can they make Europe at the moment? Actually, they can. Yeah, they're two points behind. They're two points behind. So they need, will a win secure them Europe? Um, or all, are they, all, is there a permutation? All three of them have winnable games in the last game. Home homebows, isn't it? So, yeah, um, they're sixth. They're sixth after winning the league in March. Uh, twenty-eight points from the first thirteen games. Twenty-seven points from the last twenty-two games. That's a that's a big it's a bad fall off realistically, it's a poor fall off. Um, so the race for Europe is on. Chelsea Dundalk ahead of them in the race. So Conor Cairns, prof, friend of the show, part time host, and articulate speaker on LOI Central. Um, spoke very well. I spoke yeah, I thought you spoke very well. Um, great show. I, I love listening to Conor. He's a good guy. So um, spoke about politics as well, and uh, Carl Cairns is now the toured most famous person in his family <laughs> behind Connor and his mother absolutely yeah <laughs> um, Julian Kenny prof friend of the show um, well, he stole the show with the mailbag for this week didn't he Yeah, he um, has now I'm not saying he promised but he has given us the inside route into the bar in Galway for next season I'll explain ooh. in the confides of the layer off air prof it used to be called the locker room yeah they've changed it into yeah. the home stand might have to get official prof but anyway so well, Julian Kenny in their mailbag Julian prof. if you're listening if you deliver on this promise we promise to no longer interview you in uh, dark rooms yes and pre stairwells we will promise you all the lifts back on any bus <laughs> which we've already done just so you remember we've brought you back to Dublin but before. Johnny Ward also has to be on it yeah and we also have to score uh, injury time winning goal to make it uh, 21 consecutive wins over Galway. <laughs> so Julian has pointed out uh, our the top six teams results versus the, the bottom four. And yeah, basically we have the fewest points out of all of them. So Shells have the most 37. We have the lowest 20, 27, which is mad. Whereas the top six, we have the best record against the top six. So basically we won the games, the big games that mattered. But we did struggle, particularly away from home. You know, we were held by UCD. We were held by Drogheda twice. You know, there were red cars. There was three red cars in Cork. There was two in Drogheda. There was one side. There's actually a lot of legitimate, mm. not explanations or excuses, but reasons for why we probably dropped points. Like, <laughs> like legitimate ones. Um, also, if you throw in... Um, so our record against the top six... Is played twenty one twelve, 
drew six, lost two, which is excellent. But did you notice there the record against Pats, Shells, Bows? Uh, unbeaten in the three derbies. And if you throw in UCD in there, which, um, you know, you should be unbeaten against UCD, but you throw in UCD, then we're unbeaten in all 16 Dublin games, Gar. Oh, Dublin sick, unbeaten in the derbies. Yeah. There you go. The prof with the stats. Um, Gert's prof. Gert's with a few home truths for Bose fans on the House of Football podcast. And it was just pretty much a breakdown of how... And his thoughts on why things have come to fruition and the success mm. that has come with Shamrock Rovers. So um, it was very good. I thought I thought it was uh, it was very good. Eric Lallers show the House of Football. So big shout out to Garth for that one. He had a nice go at uh, Deco's favorite comedian, yeah, and his Bo's mates yeah, about yeah. the perception that we're uh, bankrolled by millionaires. Yeah, people don't get yeah. it. I mean, it's. I don't think there's a necessary there's a necessity to actually explain that you know if if they don't know how the structure is, then that's on them really, isn't it? I know, but it's like a. I know we've joked in the show over the years about uh, about Dermot Desmond and stuff, but the way some people phrase his investment, it's almost like it's a, a Kelleher Pat's thing where it's like a constant funding, whereas Desmond was two million. An investment which went into the club with Rosestone, whereas the members have put in five million euro uh, over the last ten years. Yeah. Or sorry, it's twenty years. The obviously the twentieth anniversary, but I mean, that's major money over two decades. So, but no one talks about the Pats one. Uh, Dundalk, you know, had peak six and all that. Not that constant investment. Yeah. Just our sort of uh, naivety out there about what our structure actually is. Uh, well cleared up anyway. Yeah. But um, Prof. The dock are, yeah, going part of time. In trouble. So, um, rumours of a Conor McGregor takeover as well. Where recently, we're not sure how true it is, but there has been murmurs coming out of Loud. But as it stands, established squad members such as Nathan Shepard, Alfie Lewis, Daniel Kelly, Robbie Benson, Greg Sloggett, John Martin, Peter Cherry, Cameron Elliott, Keith Ward, Robbie McCourt, John Mountney, all free to depart. Oriel Park with Shepard attracting cross-channel interest and Derry Akeen on Kelly. Shelbourne are believing to be prepared and offered for Sloggett. So, tough times at Dundalk, Prof. Yeah, would you go? I know we're, we just talked about, we just... Back to the impose there, didn't we? But if we're gonna have two quality keepers, would you go Shepherd or maybe try and hemp McGinty back? No, if we're gonna go personally, I'd probably like if I mean Leon's proved himself at this stage, so Leon's gonna be number one. I'd probably I'd prefer to promote a, a young guy from the from the academy, yeah. to be honest, and, and keep the budget relatively free for that type of thing, possibly as that's a fan's perspective. Do we sign Dan Kelly or have we reached our quota of rings enders? Um, we've lost Abby. Yeah, maybe we can. You know, sure, he might as well sign Milner at this stage as well. There. Yeah, why not? Joey Barton yeah. sacked as Bristol manager. So interesting stuff. So that's him gone. So. Before we just move out from the dock, can we just really hammer home this point? They had the biggest budget in League of Ireland history in 2021. In 2023, they are shaking buckets again. I think we touched on this before, didn't we? We talked about the buckets previously. I actually wrote, I have an article in the programme 
previous one was about overseas hoops mainly an interview with Fielder in Perth uh, I've sort of continued on this week because you got Paul O'Connell who moved to Lapland and I also talk about how our first away bus I think was away to Dundalk in July 2012 under Stephen Kenny and I remember that day Dundalk fans shaking buckets so <laughs> it feels like we've come full circle here it really does it's sad really though for the league um, Bazunu Prof claimed a stoppage time equaliser from a corner Southampton at Preston um, mm. we'll give it to him he's claiming this one he's getting the goal bonus looked like an OG but we listen it was going. It was on its way in so we claimed that I watched one. it a few times hard to tell if he even touches it but Breedablick were tonked by Ghent 5-0 as well Prof yeah. so a bit of a tonk in there Era, a gift Orban with his day with the fifth goal yeah, he's the superstar uh, the women play DLR Waves at the UCD Bowl tonight on Wednesday as we record Prof so they are in action now as we speak and three cup wins for the youth on the weekend so um, a fantastic week for Shamrock Rovers as a whole with youth teams winning with 2-1 win against Galway away with a 2-1 win at home so that was the the 19th sorry 2-1 win to Galway 2-1 win at home for the 17th against Shelbourne 1-0 win against Pats in the 15th and we had Pats again one two or sorry there was a loss for the 14th unfortunately but three cup wins out of four isn't too shabby prof three out of four ain't bad just paraphrasing uh, Meatloaf there but three cup wins for the academy sides and the 17th game in Tada great turnout 1017 people yeah um, to witness a 2-1 win which was on LOI TV as well prof so excellent stuff uh, we had Jack Green Aaron's son with the the 15s gold there for the Rawers 15s yes. uh, and finally the women's 17s they ran out 1-0 winners in Waterford but uh, next up Gare is the man himself it's Marcus Poom so we're joined now by our midfielder Estonian international Marcus Poom um, it's Wednesday here we're just getting ready for the title party on Friday uh, against Sligo so welcome to the podcast Marcus thank you for having me this is your first interview on the show you have uh, you've been doing our quizzes you did sensationally knock out Pico Lopez out of the last 16 but then you were beaten by Aaron Green but now we're going to find out a bit more about you uh, today aside from your general knowledge and all that but uh, Richmond Park last Friday um, I suppose just give us your how you saw the game and then how much you enjoyed everything that followed after the final whistle. Yeah, I think it was it was actually a tough first half for us. I think we we didn't really maybe find our rhythm that we used to, but I think obviously second half. Uh, so. Uh, yeah, it was. It was in that sense. It was quite interesting experience in a way that uh, we felt we could have played better, obviously from the start. But uh, yeah, I think when when we went two and two nil up, and when the game ended, it was just immense joy, you know. And and you can see that with uh, celebrating with all our fans and uh, together on the pitch, you know. Uh, it was just kind of a sense of relief in a way that we've got the job done, and and yeah, it was overall it was just a brilliant night for us. When when Aaron Green scored, there was a, a tremendous roar on the ground. Uh, it was six minutes to go. And then, like you say, when Berkey scores a second, and you just know that you've won the league. What's that emotion like? 
yeah, when Berkey scored, uh, you know, you, yeah, you kind of feel that now it's done for sure. But I just had a moment where uh, I just thought to myself, like, have my, have my, I have my hands in my head, like, just thinking, like, wow, like, we're actually going to do it in about one or two minutes' time. So uh, it's just, just amazing. You kind of feel almost a little bit emotional that, you know, that all of the work you've done prior this year, it's, it's all gone for something, something that's bigger than you, you know, and to get that title, I was, it was a, an amazing, amazing feeling game. And for you, like to win a league title in your first season in a foreign country, it doesn't get much better than that. You know, some, some, I suppose, imports, they can be, they can be hit and miss, but for you to have a good season and win, not just a league, but a significant league, the fourth and the four in a row, must be really special for you how your first season in Tata has gone. Yeah, I've been tremendously proud to be a part of this uh, of this team. You know, so when I came here in January, I could sense straight away that this team wants to win the fourth title in a row. And uh, for me, being being a new player in this league, for me, it was just an overall a new experience. You know, a new environment, the league, everything was unknown for me. So, so yeah, I really enjoyed the past year, the past season, you know, and and uh, yeah, you could see. That it means so much to not only us but to the fans and everyone involved. So I think, to be honest, at the start of the season you do set set standards maybe for the season and you hope to obviously win the league. So so to have that kind of ful- fulfilling moment, it's it's special. And did the celebrations go through all the weekend? Uh, nearly. <laughs> Let's put it that way. But no, you have to enjoy those moments. You know, I think. Uh, you never know when you might win the league again. So obviously when you do, you, you do have to take it uh, as it comes and, you know, just enjoy the moment, be with the lads. And and I think we always obviously did that. Lee Grace was the only one who started in Cork. Does that mean he was the most sensible one in the celebrations? <laughs> I don't know about that. that probably have to speak to the staff about that. But no, yeah, it's it's obviously not not easy, you know, when you've won the league on Friday to go again on Monday. But I think the boys did a did a really good game on Monday, <clears throat> considering the fact that it's kind of all the pressure was gone. So, so hats off to them. And the senior players in the squad um, would have been familiar with their our history, the foreign role in the eighties, and they're familiar with the the players who did that, like Mick Byrne and Pat Byrne. They would have met them and many years they would have heard the folklore of that for you as a new player did you find that interesting that the likes of Mick Byrne came into you at Rosedown and spoke to you about his experience of getting over the line for foreign row and did you find that good insight yeah I think obviously when when you see that up close it is it is a big thing you know for the team and it gives that kind of a extra motivation in the sense that that some people have already done it and you know, you get an insight to how how hard it might be, or or what it takes to do it. So, I think uh, that that's only helped the team. And uh, obviously, when I when I first came here, you know, I wasn't thinking too much about winning four in a row. For me, it's just <laughs> to get my first one here in Ireland. So, so that's kind of been my main focus. But obviously, for the for Rovers in general, and and the fans, and most of the players, you know, to win four in a row, it's it's just so massive to to everyone, you know. Well, Mick's observation was that he didn't feel any nervous tension. This would have been the Thursday before the draw to 5-0 game, which you scored the fifth goal in. 
even though it, it must have been uh, a pressure on you to get this league trophy, but he sensed that you were very, very confident. So did you feel that in the group as well, that you were very confident? Yeah, I'd say so. I think that uh, the way the season has gone, especially like we, we've we had a couple of setbacks as well and it's not been an, an ideal maybe season for us. It's It's been tough for us. So I think during the season, we've just had to like get our head down and work and not not pay too much attention to to all the uh, to, to all the let's say the attention that we get from outside. So uh, for us, it's been quite simple: just focus on the game that's in front of us, and and we took every game as it comes, and that just means staying grounded, you know, not not getting too hyped up or not getting too low with the lows. So so I think that's one thing that we've done really really good this season. That even towards the end where maybe there could have been a lot of pressure and not a lot of um, nervous feeling in us but I think we just stay really calm knowing the ability that we have in the team and and you know we just try to go out there and, and enjoy the moment enjoy the kind of challenge you know because as a footballer you, you want to be part of kind of winning leagues and playing in those big matches so to actually have those during the season you know, for me especially I just enjoy it you know The gaffer has um He's been speaking to me and he's credited a, a psychologist who came into the group and I don't expect details. It's obviously all confidential and everything, but was that new to you? Um, Having that sort of help with you to help mentally and did you find it very useful? Yeah, it, it was new to me. Uh, I know there has been psychologists who, who worked with teams that I played for in the past or around the national team, but I think it's never been that in depth that we had this season, and from my point of view, it's it's been tremendously beneficial that that we've had we've had the likes of uh, Mary Larkin with us, and I know it's just a kind of good, good kind of understanding to see where the group is and and just to see if if everyone's in tune uh, psychologically, you know, and uh, I think that also helped us in a way that we didn't get too nervous, but it just kind of helped bring us all together all the time and. And those sessions really help, you know, and, and you could see that, I think, from our performances that that it's really helped us during the season. I just want to jump back to, to your dad's, uh, Mars, um, like possibly the, the best Estonian player ever. Was, was that slightly daunting to have such a, a legendary father or did you like that part of it? Like what's like being the son of a, a famous player in Estonia like that? Yeah, I'd say it's it's kind of something that I've had to deal with from from kind of all all the time I've become a since I become became a uh, professional footballer. It's something that's always kind of you always maybe talked a little bit more, especially in Estonia, you know, because they they could always kind of trace it back to your dad. So uh, in that sense, it's something I've I've had to deal with now for for my whole playing career. But but I do think actually that because in Estonia, my dad is so kind of. He's such a big figure there and everyone kind of knows him. So it's kind of easy to kind of draw conclusions from myself. But I feel it was it was actually also kind of a breath of fresh air coming to Ireland where kind of my dad is in Estonia. So obviously his name is also well known here, but but it's not to the magnitude that it would be in maybe Estonia or England. So I've kind of enjoyed also kind of making a name for myself here without having my dad in the picture in a way. Uh, and I think the fans and, and everyone here in Ireland also kind of appreciated more that he had his career and now this is my career and 
And it's just kind of nice to see what I do with my career in a way. So I think there's much more of a kind of bond also in the press and in Estonia between that, that it's hard for me to kind of shy away from being Mart's son rather than Marcus Poom in a way. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, for me, it's in that sense, it's been quite a refreshing season. I see you have two brothers, Andreas and Patrick. Did they not follow in your dad's footsteps uh, in terms of a career path, no? Uh, let's say Patrick, who's the youngest, he he might do because he's still young. He does play football, but Andreas, uh, he who's he just went turned twenty. He he's a singer, so he's never been big into football. And, and I think one of the main reasons might been might have been because uh, when I was younger in England. My mum always had to drive drive me to training back and forth for almost uh, an hour or so. And uh, Andreas always had to be in a car, so he probably got fed up with the idea of football. So so he, he kind of, he's a singer now in Estonia, so he's kind of gone his own route. Uh, but obviously, it's also nice to see that, that you don't have to be a footballer when you're poom. So <laughs> that's kind of, that's kind of also one thing that we've, we've, it's been big in our family that, you know, our parents, uh, they they obviously are just happy that we do whatever we we love to do so uh, and uh, they protect us and you know encourage us so so that's always been been a big thing for them and your dad is the national team goalkeeping coach and he, he's been in town hasn't he was i think it was was it the, the dark game three nil yeah uh, came to nah, visit was it? actually he was he was here with with my mother and my youngest brother patrick they came to watch the the game at home that we lost to draw at the two nil so it was kind of a weird experience for them in a way, but but uh, we 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 look back on it and laugh now because it was maybe one of those times where I was also on the bench that game. So it's it was just brilliant. They got the they got the everything kind of went their way went against us in a way that they didn't see me play and we lost at home. So we kind of look back and laugh at it now. Are you, are you calling them a jinx now over this? <laughs> Hopefully not. <laughs> Um, like you were born in, in Derby in 1999 so this would have been right in the middle of uh, Mars' spell with Derby and then of course he goes to Sunderland Arsenal Watford uh, like what was it like for you to be like living in England and then when did you eventually leave England to go to Estonia like what age were you then yeah so I think that whole experience it was obviously good it was all I kind of knew in a way that my dad was a footballer. Everyone kind of knew him on the streets and stuff. So for me, it was just like normal. And um, when we moved back to Estonia, I think that was 2010. So I might have been 11 years old at that stage. Uh, so he, he obviously finished his playing career in, in Estonia and uh, sorry, in England. And uh, it was actually kind of my decision if if we wanted to move back to Estonia because at that point I was... I was in uh, the Watford Academy in England and and my parents kind of felt that maybe I had the most to lose because they were ready to move to Estonia because my dad had just finished his playing career so it was ideal for them. But it kind of came down to my decision if I wanted to move as well. So so at a young young age, kind of I had to make that big decision for my family and I just felt that it was the right time for me as well to go back to Estonia because obviously we'd speak Estonian at home and and we've all always felt that Estonian Estonia is our home. So, so it was kind of a, a weird experience in a way. Because if I look back at it now, uh, 
maybe you don't understand really the magnitude like or, or like the kind of situation you're in like because your dad's just like playing football and you you feel it's normal but if I could sense or you see that right now in this age you know I'd, I'd probably appreciate it much more and was the aspiration to be a footballer always there um, particularly because of your dad's influence I'd say so yeah I think it's always it's always kind of been my dream to play football and and uh, growing up I didn't really have any any other sports other than football maybe tennis a little bit at the start but it's always kind of been football's first for me so so I always had I always wanted to kind of follow my dad's footsteps and and I'm just really happy that now you know I get to kind of live my dream and be a professional footballer and were you always a midfielder from the the Watford, uh, Watford Academy onwards did you play other positions uh, I kind of bounced around a little bit because uh, at Watford I was I was one year I was in midfield, one year I was a left back, and then when I came to uh, Estonia, then uh, at times I would move back to midfield. Sometimes I'll play on the wing and stuff. So I've kind of bounced around, but I think from the age of fourteen I've always played somewhere around the middle, either attackingly or defensively, and I think that's also helped me in my playing career that. I played a lot of different positions when I was growing up, so I think that's also the kind of style style of play that I play, and and I think that's really benefited me in the way that that I can do kind of different jobs on the on the pitch. And your your time since you uh, made your debut for the the Flora senior team, and then you end up uh, qualifying for the the Commerce League group stages. Um, like what would you pick as maybe a highlight of your time? So I know you're still contracted, Flora. What, what do you think of your highlight, I suppose, uh, to now? I think obviously winning your first league title will always be big, big for any player. I'd say so. For me, that was also when I, when I won the league title in 2017, uh, and that, that that memory will always be with me, you know. But I think also qualifying to Europe, it, it is it is massive, because in Estonia that that had never been done, and uh, uh, but I think what stands out more for me is maybe the first win that we got in the group stages, actually, that we beat uh, Belgrade Partisan at home 1-0. And I managed to get an assist in that game. And for me, that was like the kind of pinnacle of of my season then, you know, and it was just a great feeling, you know, because not only to get to the group stages, but also to win there and win at home. And it was kind of one of those games as well where people didn't really expect us to win. And and we managed to pull it off. So I just if looking back for me that was that was amazing and also to contribute contribute with uh with an assist. It was it was probably one of the most highlight moments I've had at Flora. Yeah, I think you played in all six games, didn't you? In the in the group stage. You you didn't actually yeah. play in the two qualifiers against Rovers. Yeah. Um you were on the bench in Tata. But even then did did Arda make some sort of impression on you? Did you like did you remember that day when I suppose Rovers came calling um at the start of this year? Yeah, uh, I rem- remember the two games that we had uh, Flora against Rovers really well. Uh, obviously, I didn't play in both, but I was here in the second game on the bench as well. And I, for me, one of the biggest things that I saw, I saw obviously the atmosphere. It wasn't. It wasn't a full stadium at that stage because I think there was COVID restrictions. But I could just see the passion in the fans, like because 
because they were just behind behind Rovers from first minute until the last. And you could kind of sense that this is a big club. This is a club that, you know, never really wants to wants to kind of uh, be let down or they don't want to give up. So, uh, and also the, I think the way that the fans acted when when uh, the game finished, you know, for, from Flora's point of view was one of the biggest moments in the club's history in a way. Uh, well, I could also kind of sense that from a Rovers sense, I felt that it was only kind of the beginning that you could see the fans were applauding the players, the staff, uh, you can kind of you could kind of feel that there was this a sense of of kind of uh, I would say kind of happiness in a way that we know we'll be back here again and we'll be ready. And um, I just felt that it was one of those places where if I had the opportunity opportunity to come, it would be massive because if 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 you get that feeling at a stadium when the team's just lost at home, then I thought. Wow, what would happen if they would have won? Like, what would the atmosphere mm. been like then? So, uh, I remember when when I first got told that Rovers are interesting for me, it was like it was a good feeling because I felt straight away I would I would love to be a part of a, a club like that. And you mentioned the fans there; they have taken to you. They have a number of songs for you. Uh, mm. Obviously, the the prolonged poem, but. Uh, yeah. Poom, poom, poom. I want you in my room. I think that's my personal favourite. Do you get a laugh out of these chants? Yeah, I think I'd say I didn't I didn't expect it maybe at the start. And uh, but uh, yeah, it's it's been just amazing to kind of hear the support and especially as a lone player this season, I think it's it's been amazing to kind of have that connection now with with not only the club but also the fans and uh you know, it, it you do hear the fans always, and and it does kind of give you a boost, and and uh, it also helps me kind of feel that I've made the right decision in in, in my career this season. Uh, the worldy against Bowes that certainly helped uh, get the fans' attention. You also scored a great goal in your first game at UCD, and that's a senior cup. Uh, mm. But of course, it's kind of a minor competition, a derby league game. Different story all together. Um, I suppose describe that goal and the moment that you must have enjoyed that one. Yeah, I think I was kind of looking for it. That uh, I think a goal always always helps. You know, when you come into a new team and and uh, especially you want to get off the mark and kind of uh, think it was the right moment and also you know to do it in that game. It was uh, it was a good moment for me, obviously, and and. Obviously, for the fans as well, you know that they enjoy they enjoy that moment, and you know I'll cherish it probably uh, forever now. Yeah, all your goals have come in uh, four Dublin grounds. Uh, I noticed so. Yeah, UCD, Talca Park, Daly Mount, and you got your first uh, home goal on Tad. I was kind of hoping you would score last ride actually, and uh, Richmond Park to complete the set of uh, five Dublin grounds. Yeah. But um. The stat went up there um, yesterday, a record against the top six. Uh, it was the best uh, out of all, of all the other teams. A record against the bottom four, strangely enough, was uh, the weakest of, of the top six. But I suppose if anything, it showed that the, the big games that mattered, um, they're the ones that we, the ones that mattered, they were the ones that we were won. And uh, did you sense that 
the players were always up for those big games and they were going to get the big results we needed, especially at home to the likes of Derry, Bowles, Shells, Pats, uh, Dundalk. Yeah, a sense that it was, it was not only for us, but it, it was a tough season in general for, I think, the other other teams as well. That uh, You'd never kind of, it was never an easy game against anyone. And uh, I think funnily, funnily for us this season, like, the bigger the occasion was sometimes we the better we play in a way so uh, I think it was it's all you know obviously to win big games home more away it's it's massive you know and in those games maybe you don't need that kind of extra motivation or you don't need to get really amped up by the fans or anything it just the occasion itself you know takes care of that so uh, and also playing against the smaller teams so-called smaller teams you know it's it's also never easy because they never want to lose to the bigger teams. And uh, I think, yeah, lo- looking at our record, obviously I think it's been a tough season and we we could have done much more better, but I think eventually it got us over the line. So so in that sense, we did enough, didn't we? I suppose, did you, did you find some of those games frustrating a way to like the likes of Draha to UCD where the onus is on us to break them down? Uh, I suppose... Did you well? Obviously, we won the bigger games, but suppose did you have more joy in the bigger games, which were maybe more open, and ultimately we did uh, get the victories in so many of those in Tata. Um Yeah, I wouldn't say there was really frustration in those games where where we had to kind of break teams down. I think it it was just kind of things didn't really click for us. Maybe it and it happened to be those games, you know, where. We weren't really at our best, but I think uh, some of the games did suit us more where, where kind of the other team also wants to press us high, really, really beat us. And uh, I think we kind of really, really enjoyed ourselves just in those games. And um, overall, you know, you're always with, you always play a new opposition every week in a way. So you have to be ready for whatever game plan they have, you know. And uh, I think obviously, uh, at times we could have maybe done that a little bit better that we were we could have adapted maybe a little bit better but uh, in the end you know it's uh, we managed to beat everyone uh, eventually over four games so so I think that that also is fulfilling at the end of the season that no one really kind of had that edge over us that that we didn't beat them so so you know that was that was also good for us were there any aspects of the, of this league of Irish football that took you time to uh, adapt to? Yeah, I think um, for me personally, coming from the Estonian league, like the intensity is is better here and and also maybe the aggressiveness that, you know, you have a lot less time on the ball and you have to make quicker decisions and, uh, you know, the press can be really aggressive here. So, uh, I think the, those were a couple of things that I had to adapt to, and I, I did imagine that those things would happen. Uh, it just takes a little bit of time, you know, to to really get to grips with that uh, week in week out. And uh, uh, I think you know, once the season went on, kind of I enjoyed myself more, and and uh, I feel I also really developed this season with the, these types of games. Considering you spoke a moment ago about how um, Flora Talent beat Robbers over two legs, 5-2 in aggregate, and reached the group stages. Um, 
I think maybe in the same season or maybe before or after the Vadia Talon were beaten by Dundalk. Yeah. Um, how would you compare the standards, I suppose, two years on between the Estonian and the Irish League or the League of Ireland? Yeah, I think I think um the Irish League is is obviously it's it's more competitive in a way. Um I think in Estonia you maybe have three or, or sometimes four teams that kind of hope to win the title at the start of the season, but the the other six, because we have ten teams in Estonia, are kind of fighting, you know, for that fourth or fifth place. So so it's it's a different in that sense I feel here here in Ireland you've got a lot more teams that want to win the league and, and feel that they can win. Uh, so in, in that sense, you know, ev- everyone can lose points to each other, you know, and you wouldn't see maybe too too many uh, big squad, uh, big uh, squad he- headlines here. So uh, in Estonia, I think uh, there's obviously room for improvement in both leagues, but, but I feel coming from the Estonian league here it's 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 been a big step step up for me uh i think if you if you look at the likes of kind of flora Tallinn or even uh levadia uh they will probably uh in our, in our league here would probably be also aspiring to win the league so in that sense maybe the gap with the big teams isn't that massive but it's just the kind of overall level of the whole league you know that that really comes into play and we've seen Estonian players uh, come to League of Ireland and it doesn't harm their international chances. Like with you this season, you're still being called up and you still were involved in the Euro 2024 campaign, which is almost over now. Um, how, do, how do you reflect on how that campaign has gone for the national team? Yeah, I think it's it's been, in that sense, a, quite an interesting kind of season for me that here in Ireland I felt it's gone really really well for me but with the national team it hasn't gone that great because obviously we've we've had a really tough group uh with the likes of Sweden and uh Sweden Belgium and Austria and Azerbaijan so it's not been easy finding those in those groups there's not a lot of games where you'd be expected to win you know um but obviously we've underperformed with the national team this year and I think everyone feels that and uh it's it's been like I said a tough a tough season to take in a way. So, uh, but obviously being involved with the national team, it's it's always massive, and you know it's I think it's just the pressure of it. You know, you're you're kind of representing a whole country, so so it is massive pressure on on your shoulders. But but I just hope that you know after these two games that we have now in November, that that we can kind of turn a new page and uh, kind of start to get more wins uh, in the in the next campaign and. And hopefully go upwards in 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 the whole development of the of the squad. So the trophy presentation on Friday. How much are you looking forward to lifting above your head and having the the medal draped over your neck? Yeah, I'm really looking forward to. It. I think that that will be the that will be maybe the moment where it finally hits that what you've done. You know, I think right now it's you 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 just kind of seen it as a headline or something, but. But once you get to actually feel the medal and uh, feel the cup, I think that's when you really realise what you've done. There will be a tinge of sadness, though, because we're saying goodbye to Adam Manis. Um, we spoke about your dad being uh, probably the best Estonian player ever. Um, maybe Derby's best player. Uh, Adam Manis will be considered by many 
to be uh, Robert's best ever goalkeeper. There was Jody Byrne in the four in a row in the nineteen eighties. But um, from your season with with Alan, uh, I know he he missed a bit of it with his with his injury, and Leon stepped in really well. But like having seen Alan up close, what what do you make of the man on and off the pitch? I think he's an absolute legend. You can kind of you could see it from from day one. You know, uh, uh, I think from upon meeting him, you know, you, you could just sense kind of uh, his calmness, but also his professionalism in the team. And and uh, obviously, he he had that injury uh, this season. But I think apart from that, he's he's been he's been unbelievable for us. You know, and uh, I can only imagine you know playing with him only one season that. What what he what he's done during his whole career, you know, it's uh, he's left a real imprint maybe on people. So, so yeah, it's been a real pleasure to to kind of experience this last season with him, and uh, and uh, you know, he's been a, an amazing goalkeeper for us uh, this season. And obviously, when Leon has had to step in, he's also done his, done his job. So, uh, in that sense, uh, I think everyone in and around the club will miss him, and and. Hope, hope the best for him uh, during the future. And finally, your situation with Flora and Rovers. Um, uh, would you like to stay at Rovers? Have you had that conversation with the gaffer about um, staying on for next season? No, I, I haven't had any uh, any conversations yet. I think right now is just uh, the time to really enjoy enjoy the the moment, you know. And uh, and it's been a long season, so. So hopefully after all, all the uh, everything's kind of finished, you know, and we've we've got the trophy over our heads, then we can look towards the future. But obviously looking back, it's been an amazing season for us, for for me, and uh, and uh, you know I've had such a connection with the with the team and the club, and and uh, I've just I just feel really good playing for this team. So so hopefully it's not the end, and uh, uh, you know we'll just see what the future holds, I guess. That's it, Marcus. Congratulations on a, a great season for you personally and uh, being a league champion, a four in a row winner. So, congrats. Thank you very much. Thanks. So, yeah, Prof, that was Marcus Boom, interview of the year. Um, What was your favourite part of this interview that you've definitely heard in full? It's the bit where he spoke about scoring a goal mm. and, you know, passing it around. He... He spoke Estonian for a couple of minutes. Um, <laughs> is that what they speak in Estonia? Yeah, I think I'm don't, don't even go down yeah. that road. I, I don't know. I don't know why he started doing that. Uh, I don't speak the language. But uh, that's what he did. Yeah, so that was it. Marcus Poon. Um Prof, last one of the season. It's starting 11s and predictions. <laughs> So I think it has to be the team that has done it all season pretty much and it's going to be Manus, Grace, Pico, Cleary, Gary O'Neill, I think Poom and Towell in there as well, uh, Bork, Gaff and I'll give it to Kenny, I think Kenny deserves to start, I'm probably leaving someone out blatantly there am I? Um, I know you're gonna. You're just gonna reply. Who do you drop? Yeah. But are you not sort of? What's your board, would you like to see Noonan or? I, I, I was thinking about again? it, but I think this team deserves to start purely because it's the spine of the squad mm. that pretty much played the most games, and I know it's a collective. Yeah. Do you know what I mean, though? Plus, there can be 
who starts the game and who finishes yeah, the game. That's it. Yeah. Like I mean, Al will probably start. Nash could come on and make a great impact, maybe score. Yeah. That'll be an amazing moment for him, you know. But I think there's a lot of I think Finner probably Finner is probably gonna start here as well. Um Finner has to start, doesn't he? Um yeah. and then with Faruja as well. So I think it's a case of round of applauses and standing ovations and whatever way that's that's gonna work prof that's awfully scribbled so i don't think you're gonna get much over yeah did one of your kids not send this in as normal no <laughs> no it was um, the dogs it was chopped this week the dog um i can't even make out half of this but um i'll agree with whatever it says <laughs> uh for a scoreline i'll say i'll say no comfortable three nil win I, I'll, I don't know who's going to score the first two but i think nice to come off the bench get the third a bit like idemo did two years ago remember yeah. When we came to the league against Harps. I'm going to say Borky <coughs> to get two and to get the goal of the going boo. Oh, yes. Hopefully so. Anyway. Oh, isn't it a four-way tie at the moment? It's four. Everyone's on 13, yeah. Yeah. So Borky to score a few and nail home that uh, top goal scorer. But unfortunately, Prof, we are saying goodbye to club legend. Alamanis, and this is a very emotional moment for the man who has been here for a long mm. time and won six leagues. Um... It's, it's it's very hard to put into words what the man has meant for the club and it's a sad sad day and it's it's a bittersweet day I mean he's done so much for us he's been brilliant for the club but unfortunately it's time to retire and he's going to move on with a, a different career with the, with the IFA so we just want to thank him for everything he's done all the moments he's given us um, the stability that he's put into the squad he's been excellent I think by the time you're hearing this there will be an interview out with Big Al on uh, the Rara social media so we got to hear his thoughts on his hanging up the gloves and everything, but hard to put into words, really. I mean, it's a bit like Twiggy is the best striker I've seen. Roberts, Adamanis is just by far and beyond the best goalkeeper. Like, no one's even close. No. Over two spells, the saves I've seen him made, just the definition of a safe pair of hands. Do you remember... I don't want to give you nightmares, but the goalkeeper situation to start of 2018. <laughs> just the pre- just the fact that Anamanis came in, his mere presence and our centre-backs, Pigo, Grace, and we had some bad ones then, we had Addy, Addy uh, Gilchrist as well. Just his mere presence and suddenly they weren't panicking on the ball anymore yeah. and they were trusting them and passing them back. Uh, remember Jason Burns' penalty that he sent into orbit? Yeah. Now, Manus didn't save it. I remember my criticism of, of Al not saving penalties for a long Such time. Such a poor penalty. But just just standing there and looking big, I think I think Byrne stepped up and just thought, I don't know where to put oh, this. I need to welly this one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, just, and not just his ability, but everyone knows about off the pitch. The ultimate pro. Yeah. The way he looks after himself is incredible and he's look at the stretch he's had in the game like he started playing at Linfield what in the early 90s was it 2000 I think it was to check his Wikipedia but that is some career Um, he actually went to Euro 2016 didn't play third choice keeper he only got a handful of caps for Northern Ireland really should have got more Um, oh sorry a handful like by the time he was with us I think he had four by the time of his first spell um, I think he got more of them when he was in Scotland but yeah unbelievable goalkeeper he's been superb so listen it's it's a tearful time but we're always going to look back on the good memories that he's given us 
Uh, season ticket renewals, Prof. Members option is next week and um, it's going to work out at 18 euro per game for my three kids, which is pretty good. So every time I go in, it's six quid. If I buy a season ticket now, it's going to cost me six mm -hmm. quid each for them. It's which is excellent value. You can't you can't fault it really. I liked your comparison. You said you spent twenty two euro in deals for sweets yeah. for the trip to Cork. Literally went in and they fleeced me. But that's what you like. You go in, you spend all sorts of junk. Twenty two quid. But if I mm -hmm. chop off six of that or three euro, four euro, whatever, you can get your kids into. A, one of the best games in best stadiums in Ireland, you know. As always, it's it's great value. Obviously, there's little tweaks. Um, the the women's season ticket is no longer included. Um, you have, I like this new edition of staggered payments over four months. Excellent, excellent it's edition. A great idea. Uh, the members option is not until next week, so this is kind of a, it's a separate renewal, isn't it? But also the North Stand, which is brilliant. Um, you get a free kids ticket if you get an adult one ah. so a nice little promotion to try and get people into the north stand as well we do one we've, ta we've talked about this for two years now we're yeah. filling this north stand how are we going to do it yeah. I just can't wait for the first 10,000 game oh. I just can't wait to see it and then write it down in the figures like 10 10 0, zero whatever the figure is Um, yeah I can't wait to see a full Tata Stadium. Four, stand, four stands. Yeah, it's going to be um, Get user, user four in a scarves. Uh, bring user green scarves because uh, this came from Con Murphy actually. He sent me some pictures of Benfica uh, recently. How everybody in the stand had a red scarf. And it looks amazing. It looks the biz, yeah. Every, literally every person is holding. Now imagine we sung keep the green flag flying high and we were all lofting our scarves it was sounds good to me bro. That's, yeah. the, that's the call out everybody yeah. bring your scarves up to the south stand the main stand get them waving mm -hmm. as we sing so um, for the party that's it prof it's it for this season um, it's been superb we're, it's party time this week uh, we just want to wallow in the success it's been superb it's been such a thrill and a roller coaster following this team for the past couple of years and we finally done the four in a row so it's just time to enjoy it now so that's it we will see you in block x see you in the south stand and keep on hooping see you